0: I think the first memory that is like a tangible, clear image to me is uh, going to the zoo when I uh, lived in Boston and my sister had just been born. So she was in a stroller and uh, myself, my sister and my parents were approaching this enclosure that had cheetahs. I want to say, and there were two little cheetah cubs um, that were trying to climb over each other to get on top of this rock formation and kept like tumbling backwards and kept like, pulling each other off, um, and, and kind of falling off. And that's really the first clear memory that I have. I was probably about four years old at the time.
1: Yeah. Four. That's pretty good. I, well, I'm older than you, so it's a little more challenging (laughs) for me to come up with that first memory, but I, I struggled with this when I was asked this question once and it was, because I couldn't figure out what, w- what I thought the real memory was and what might have been pieced together through photos or right. stories or videos or what, you know, just. Yeah,
0: or what your brain kind of chopped yeah, together. Yeah, so
1: your brain's kind of like, you know. Um, and then I would hear these stories of people that have, like, memories of, like, being two years old. I'm like, how does that even happen? You know, I don't even understand. <laughs> it, but So cheetahs. Well, you would definitely, yeah, cheetahs would be a very vivid thing. I think at four.
0: Yeah, I just, it always just reminded me of me and my sister, you know, trying, it was just like goofing off, trying to climb on each other's backs and pulling each other off. So it was just like a very cute little sibling relationship. And for whatever reason, that just really stuck out to me.
1: How, how many siblings do you have?
0: I have two younger sisters, so I'm the oldest of three. Ah, okay. Yeah.
1: Well, that's a good segue. Tell us who you are, where you're from, where you went to school, what you're working on now.
0: Sure. So obviously my name is Sophia Belalevsky. Um, where I'm from, I was originally born in Boston. I am the first person in my family to be born in America. So it's a proud moment I give myself there. Um, I lived there for like eight years or so before my family moved to Florida, and I've been here ever since. Um, they settled down in Sarasota and I moved up to Tampa to go to school, uh, which is where I still live. I did their accelerated four plus one MBA program. Um, so I got a bachelor's in finance and an MBA actually within four years because I came in to college with some credit. Um, so that's where I went to school, what I did. Uh, I graduated about a two months ago or so in May. So it's uh, in and of itself has, you know, kind of posed its own challenges given the times I graduated into. But um, I'm working in financial services now at a firm called Taylor Financial here in Tampa. I'm also working towards finishing up my series exam so I can be an investments advisor um, and that I'll be taking in about three weeks or so. So finger, fingers crossed that all goes well and doesn't get rescheduled and canceled on me again. But yeah, that, that's kind of brief synopsis of Sophia.
1: So you mentioned you're the first one in your family to, to be born in America. Where was everyone else born?
0: Uh, Russia, actually. So there comes my last name. <laughs> everyone was born in Russia. And I'm, as far as I'm aware, the first one in America.
1: Where in Russia?
0: So my dad is from what's now uh, Ukraine and my mom is from what's now Belarus. So they didn't, they didn't meet in Russia. They met in America. Um, They were on two very polar opposite sides of the USSR, but yeah.
1: When did they come over?
0: Um my dad came over in 1992 or 3 and my mom came over in 1995 I believe.
1: Yeah, so after the wall came down.
0: Yep. Things, after the wall things came things down my dad Yeah, very <laughs> for sure. My dad left a country that no longer exists so his passport and all his documentation says the USSR. Um, So he left a country that no longer exists, which is kind of a, I think, a neat fact. But my mom left once Russia was already established. So that poses its own challenges if we ever want to go back and visit. But it's a whole other rabbit hole.
1: Yeah, I was going to ask, can they go back? I assume they can. Um,
0: Yes, uh, but it. It's kind of complicated. So because my dad left a country that doesn't exist, he's fine. He goes as an American tourist on his American passport. That's totally fine. Uh, My mom, since she moved to America while Russia was still an established, like already an established country, she, we've tried this before. She would have to declare her citizenship, then renounce her citizenship if she wants to travel as an American tourist. And because uh, both my younger sisters are, well, I guess one of them just turned 18, but now my youngest sister is still under the age of 18. She is technically considered, by my understanding, a Russian citizen because she was born to a Russian citizen who's my mom. So she would also have to declare and then renounce her citizenship if she wanted to travel as an American tourist. So it's a whole big mess if we wanted to travel as a family unit. So we're just kind of waiting until everyone ages out of that 18 mark. So we have to go through that process only once for my mom. It's fascinating. But they've been back to Odessa, Ukraine, which is where my dad is from. So they're able to kind of travel through the region. Just Russia itself poses some issues. Have you been? I have not. I have really wanted to, though, but I have not.
1: Yeah, I think that would be really important to you and to your family. family. I I definitely
0: think so. I mean, I speak the language fluently, so getting around or anything wouldn't be any sort of issue for me. And I can't even imagine the cultural impact and experience that would have just kind of knowing where my family's from and where they came from. Obviously, it's much different 20 years later, but I I think it'd be great and fascinating. It's one of my kind of bucket list items is to make my way over there.
1: Did you learn the language directly from your parents or did you learn it in school or both?
0: No, it was uh, directly from my parents. That was actually my first language. Um, that's what I learned as a, as a kid. And until I went to kindergarten is when I started to learn English. So it was kind of the other way around. Um, so I'm still fluent in both and I don't think at least I have an accent in either, but uh yeah, it was directly from parents and exposure. That's what they talked to me in my bedtime stories were in Russian, any sort of babysitter or nanny I had was in Russian Our close circle of friends when I was growing up and still to this day are Russian. So it was a very, um, formative kind of language for me and that has still stuck with me to this day.
1: Right. You have no, yeah, you have no accent that I can determine. Um, I, I work, um, with a person that comes from Ukraine. Okay. And he is, but he's directly from there and he's a very, very noticeable accent. And, mm-hmm. and so you and I are similar because I was born in Germany. First language oh, really? language was is German, but I have no accent because I came over when I was 10. So I'm, mm-hmm. you know, you, 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 if you come over, it seems like if you come over before you're a teen, before you get too f- far, you know, into it, then you just you just you see. It seems to not be you know. There's no, there's no anyone. Yeah, I think know. I think
0: when you're at that age, you kind of adapt much quicker.
1: Right, right. Whereas, like my my mother, much like your parents, I'm sure you come over as an adult and you're you're baked, right? You <laughs> you, yeah, you pretty, have the much was, My mother had a very no strong German there. accent. There was no no you know. There was no Question about it.
0: Um, yeah, my but, parents have kind yeah. of funny. It's a funny mix of a Russian and then Boston accent because they immigrated to Boston. Right. So when they were learning English in Boston, it was always with a right light Boston twang there. Right. So it's kind of a strange.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. Funny mix. Okay, so where are you going? What's your dream? What do you hope to do? What do you hope to achieve with your life?
0: So. I'm working in financial services um, and that's where I want to stay. And that's where I want to be uh, at the moment. I'm working partially on like the services side. So I understand the backend, the processing, all of the uh, paperwork, all the service items, everything that actually happens behind the scenes, because I believe that that will make me even stronger as a financial advisor, uh, which is where I want to end up financial advisor. I believe I have a unique perspective Uh, for a couple of reasons. A, because I'm a female in the industry, which is quite rare. It's very heavily male dominated. Um, So I believe that gives me a a unique perspective and a unique ability to, you know, connect to people that my male counterpart might not always have the ability to. Um, I come from an immigrant family. So I understand a lot of the struggles, a lot of the background, everything that kind of encompasses that. So I believe that gives me a unique advantage there and really my main goal in it is just to enact some sort of change, enact some sort of help and know that I'm helping people with a particular skill set that I've learned and acquired that you know not everyone might have. I really, really want to stay in this field and I'm doing everything in my power to be successful there. It's a <laughs> quite a difficult field to break into and start in and the times that I'm starting in aren't really helping in any way, but um, it's, you know, a challenge I was willing to accept and, and knew what I was getting myself into and knowing that I'm able to help someone is really my driving force. That That's what it is. I wish my family had had this kind of guidance. Um, you know, something happened to me when I was younger, a family member got really sick and they didn't necessarily have the proper financial tools and and plans in place to be able to just focus on making sure they're getting better rather than the finances aspect of what comes with a, an illness. Um, so if, if I know that I can prevent that struggle and that fear and anxiety that comes with that for someone else, that's really all I want to do. And finance has really been my way to, to create that change and create that help.
1: Why do you think you, at what point did you know, Hey, I want to be in finance and specifically I'd like to be a financial advisor.
0: Well, it's, it's kind of funny you ask that because, uh, so my entire family, for the most part, you know, my immediate family is in the medical field. So I really never had much exposure to the business world, let alone finance in particular growing up at all. Um, so up until I was 18 and actually had to, you know, write down on the piece of paper what my major was going to be. I was pre med all the way. There was no doubt in my mind, especially with my family member getting sick. And, you know, I thought I could help and it changed that way. Um, and then I came to school and came to college. And, you know, by nature of what my parents do, a lot of our family friends are in a similar field. So I was talking to a lot of people, um, kind of getting their opinions and their perspectives because um, they're all in different fields of medicine. And I just kind of realized that there's more that I wanted out of life than constant, the constant demand, the constant rigor. And by no means am I shying away from that. It's just that there are other things that I value more in life than working 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, Because, you know, if you're in medicine and if, if you're ill, you want the best person or best specialist in that field which I don't blame them for. I would want the exact same thing as a patient. Um, I just don't know that I'd be able to sacrifice some of my other values that I have for the medical aspect of it. So when I came to school and I realized that I really, I always knew that I liked math. I was good at math. I enjoyed numbers. I liked how it all kind of worked and made sense to me um, and took a, a class. I was like, okay, maybe there's something I can do in in this field. And my parents always said that look, if medicine was what you wanted to do, if this was your true passion, we will support you all the way. We will help you in any way that we can. But if there's something else that you feel like you can do and you feel like you're passionate about, try that route. Um, So that's exactly what I did. And I I took an internship my junior year, I want to say summer my junior year of college um, at a financial planning firm. I was just an administrative assistant but I got to be exposed to that world. And I saw, um, well, first off the, you know, the day in and day out of what it means to be a financial advisor. I really enjoyed that lifestyle. And then the person I was working for really started to catch on that. I was very interested in his work and what was actually going on rather than just, you know, filing and scanning paperwork and answering phones and, and things like that. So he started, explaining topics to me and concepts, bringing me in on cases, helping me kind of understand his thought process for why he decided to, you know, implement the plan that he did. And I find I just found that so fascinating. And I found how all the different pieces of someone's life can fit together to make this one cohesive, strong plan for them to make sure that they're financially successful in the future. I just found that extraordinarily fascinating. So I decided to tailor the rest of my education and internship experience towards that. And that's kind of how I realized that that's where I wanted to end up and where I wanted to be. And the the place I'm working at now and Taylor Financial has really taken me under their wing and I'm really personally interested in the investment side of it. Um, and the chief investment officer there has, has really taught me so much. Um, on the investment side, really at a young age and kind of taking a chance on me um, as having no really prior background or knowledge of the field. So I think I got a little off topic there, but that, that's kind of when I realized that, okay, I can do this. This is how I can help.
1: No, that, it's it's not off topic at all. I think it's great to dive into that. You mentioned the lifestyle, that there was something mm-hmm. attractive to you about This financial advising lifestyle. What what was it?
0: So both both my parents um, at one point or another had their own practice or their own business, and being my own boss is is the part that appealed to me. So you know I'm very fortunate to grow up in a very family oriented home, and that's what I want to keep and you know do in my future as well. So if God forbid, one of my siblings or myself weren't feeling well or were sick or had a doctor's appointment or had a performance or, you know, anything like that, they could tailor their own schedule to adjust for that. So when I saw that, um, I didn't really know that was possible in this field because, again, I'd never been exposed to anything like this before. Um, So when I, you know, got a call from my boss at the time, uh, his daughter's school that she wasn't feeling well and, you know, he had to come pick her up, he it was as simple as him rescheduling an appointment, going to go help his daughter, bring her home, make sure she's okay. Um, so, that aspect of it is what really, really appealed to me, um, is making sure that I have a good work-life balance.
1: Yeah, you can compartmentalize it, right? So, it's so different. Exactly. Uh, yeah, what you're thinking about in medicine is that, well, when, when people are in need or, or sick, they don't get to schedule when they're sick. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> and so,
0: which, uh, you know, yeah. it's not something I can control and it's, right. that would be a real commitment that I would have to make with, right. again, I'm, I'm hopefully you can tell a very people oriented person and want to do everything I can to help. So, um, I guess it kind of bleeds into one of your, uh, questions, but that that's just a a value I can't see myself giving up. So
1: that, yeah, it's exactly right. That's a great segue. Yes. This is your show. You're, you're doing great. So um, (laughs) tell us, tell us about your core values and particularly some or one that is very sacred. Like you just referred to one that you won't compromise on.
0: Yeah. So, so for me, the, the biggest number one is family. It's, like I said, I was very fortunate to grow up in such a loving household and saw it from all directions and have also unfortunately been able to see the other side if if some friends or acquaintances don't necessarily have that love and support at home. And it doesn't even, doesn't even have to be a blood relative, just anyone that you consider to be your family, whether that's friends, anyone to me, that kind of trumps everything. Um, So that that's really one that, I can't get around, um, I guess it doesn't really apply to me anymore, but school was always one thing that was very, very important to me. And there were a lot of things I sacrificed and gave up or, you know, events I didn't go to or, you know, places I didn't necessarily see or travel to or anything like that because of school. That Education is very important to me. So, I guess, like I said, I'm graduated, so that doesn't really apply anymore. But that concept was one that I, yeah, I very, very rarely compromised on.
1: Yeah, but I, but I think I think it does apply, and I, uh, um, I think if you just reframe it, instead of saying education, say learning, right?
0: Yeah, that's you, true.
1: You 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 don't ever stop. You don't. And you don't have to stop. I mean, some people think they stop because they they do that. They say, well, I I went to school, you know, and I did that part. Now I go and I produce. Well, Mm -hmm. you learn as you go along, particularly when you get to be like your parents' age or my age, you go, well, it just never stops. I mean, and so being a lifelong learner, I think, is instilled in you at some point, it sounds like it has been by your family you know, unit and by your drive for education. So I bet I bet you never lose that. I bet that's something that you'll continue to: <laughs> Yeah you, I, I don't think you will because you, you seem to be driven that way, and so I think you'll just be leveling up in a different way. Um, so I don't think, I don't think it stops for you for sure.
0: I hope not. I, I enjoy learning, especially when it's a topic that I'm interested in or fascinated in. You know, I I don't necessarily like the examination portion of it. <laughs> but no, the but learning but, portion of yeah, it. Yeah, but see, that's the
1: difference between education and learning to me. So education yeah. is uh, even the compulsory side. You know, when we all went to the grade school, th- that that's different than learning to me. Lear- learning is something you seek to do on your own. And so right. th- that can take many forms. It can be experiential, it can be it can be, you know, t- listening to lectures, it can it can even, it can be through examination, but it's something you choose to exam, you know. You you want to take the test, not here's a test, you take it. They'll see if you're good enough. It's, it's right. different, <laughs> right?
0: Yeah. So I guess I'm still kind of learning the the difference between the two cuz I'm so, you know, fresh out of school well, yeah. in my mind. That totally, that's what learning is.
1: Totally normal. I was in the same boat. I was in the exact same boat, right? So, yeah. So learning is um uh, learning is fascinating to me i i don't i don't it's part of being human that we're we get to do it right it's a gift we 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 get to seek greater knowledge mm-hmm. and we we get to understand because we're human so it's um it's 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 i find it I think it's a shame when, when we choose not to, um, I agree back to the family core value.
0: <laughs> sure.
1: Because that one is another one that strikes a chord with me.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I
1: didn't, I didn't, I, my family was a bit disjointed and it was not, you know, your, your, uh, perfect little world. I mean, not that any of them are perfect, but I mean, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't as wholesome a unit as I would have wanted right. for my children. Um, and I think it, I think it means so much because you'll find that those family values that, that, that allegiance to family will carry over to your work life and to those that you surround
0: yourself with. I I certainly hope so, especially in, you know, my line of work where it's, that that's exactly the reason why I decided to go this route as opposed to, you know, something corporate that just never really suited me. I know exactly who I'm, you know, filling out X Y Z for, or who I'm spending all this time, you know, trying to come up with the perfect way for. It. It's a real family who, you know, whether they want to be able to help send their kid to college or take their dream vacation or buy their dream home or whatever it might be, I know that it's a real human. Family or business or company, whatever it might be that that I'm helping. So I I I think it really does heavily apply, and I hope that that's something that always stays with me. I bet it will. It will only make me only make me better in my role.
1: Yeah, I bet it will. Um. So, how about an instance when these values were tested? Can you, can you think of something that where you were challenged and you overcame it?
0: I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's, there's so many with, you know, growing up in in a home where I place so much value on family, I'm sure there were times where, you know, I wanted to, especially in, you know, the teenage years, quote unquote, if you will, um, you know, want to stray away from that and, you know, always be with friends and out doing stuff and you know might not necessarily have made it to every single concert that my sisters might have had or performance or, or whatever it might be um and that's something I look back on and wish I hadn't done um but I think I mean I don't necessarily want to call them mistakes but those experiences have really solidified the values for me now And, you know, kind of seeing myself now when these situations come up, I will drive the hour back home to Sarasota to, you know, watch a performance that my sister was really looking forward to and really proud of, or, you know, support anyone in my family or, you know, close friends from high school or any other place that I've met them at. Um, And so I, they, they've definitely been tested over the years and, you know, all the experiences that come with going to college and not necessarily living at home. I'm I'm sure they've, they've definitely been tested, but have only been overcome and only made me more solid in my values.
1: So like the, the, the piece you, the, that one instance you mentioned about driving back to Sarasota to see the performance that your sister's in. Mm -hmm. What, how, how much you've treated that differently earlier in your life and, and now you see the value in that. What, what is that value? Why, do you, why change?
0: You know, I think it might be because I, I myself, when I was, you know, growing up, I played piano for a very, very long time. I did dance for a while and it was always really special looking out in the crowd and knowing that your parents, your siblings, you know, that they're there supporting you, watching all your hard work pay off. Um, and I don't think I really understood that until there was an instance where someone in my family couldn't make it to one of my events. And I'm, you know, very fortunate being able to say that, you know, a good 95, 99% of the time, my whole family, even my extended family, you know, grandparents would, would come out to these events. So, you know, when I was younger, I probably wouldn't have thought much of it because I'm like, oh, you know, there'll be another, performance there's always another concert that they do you know I know there's one in coming up in May so I might have just brushed it off I guess and gone and hung out with my friends or gone to somewhere else or maybe just even stayed at home but now knowing how much of an impact it has to really you know look out in the crowd whether you can see him or not from the stage but you know just knowing that that presence is there is really comforting and it just kind of gives you that much more drive when you're the one on stage performing.
1: That's really good. So what you've described is having experience and feeling, you know, being, be, being, being able to have empathy for someone because, mm-hmm. you know, you, not only do you want to see it from their perspective and feel it from their perspective, but you've actually felt it from their perspective. And when mm-hmm. you can put those two skills together that's leadership. That's that's the key, right? Because before you can say, "Hey, let's go over here and do this," let's go climb that mountain. Let's go, you know, let let's take on this challenge. You've got to understand how those people are feeling. So that's really good what you've described. Uh, very insightful and um, and a wonderful attribute to have thank you mark that one down don't forget it
0: <laughs>
1: so, <laughs> use it use it on yourself when you realize you, when you're not doing it you can go yeah now nah, remember that with the p yeah okay i need to be more mindful of that yeah that's really good yeah. That's, yeah, that's fabulous
0: and you know i try to be that support system as best i can you know and I'm, I'm 21 there's only so much i can do when you know a lot of my friends after the college of on and, you know, moved on and moved out of, of Tampa back to wherever their jobs are, back home, whatever it might be. So, even if, you know, I can log on through Zoom and <laughs> support something virtually, right you know, I, I know what it's like not to have that, so.
1: Right. It's a wonderful, wonderful uh, quality. Thank you. Okay, let's talk about something that you've done that you're really proud of. Some remarkable piece of work, something maybe it's something you made from scratch, uh, that you've shared with others that you're, that you're just really excited about.
0: Well, when I, when I first read this question, two things came to mind. One is kind of really cheesy. So (laughs) we'll save that for the end. Um, but the other one that, that came to mind was, was quite a while ago. Um, like I mentioned, I, I played piano for a very long time. Um, And if I do say so myself (laughs) was, you know, I was pretty inclined to it. I was, I was pretty good at it. Um, And unfortunately at this point I've stopped taking, you know, actual private lessons for it, but, you know, I still have a piano at my parents' house and when I come down, I try to sit down when I can. But, you know, when I was younger, I participated in, I don't know exactly what it's called, um, but, it was some sort of music festival at the uh, Carnegie Hall in New York City that I worked really hard towards and, you know, learned this song. I was uh, quite young. I think I was six or seven years old. That um, I still have the framed photos of because my parents refused to get rid of them. <laughs> and uh, the sheet music, too, for the song that I learned. Um, you know, now looking back on it, it seems so simple to me now. But at the time, I was so proud of myself. Um, And a, a funny story is attached to that particular performance, but we'll go down that rabbit hole if we have time for it. Um, so I was, I was so proud of myself for that learning a songs from scratch. Obviously I had the help from, you know, my, my piano teacher, my dad's in music as well. Um, so he'd help me at home, but that was just a really momentous moment for me, for me as a kid. Um, and then the other one that was quite cheesy is my career path. Um, like I mentioned, no one in my family is is in this world. I've kind of you know etched it out myself, found my own connections, my own kind of path. I' walking to the beat of my own drum, <laughs> if you will. Um, so that that's another thing i'm I'm quite proud of and something I've built from scratch. All the people I know in the field and in the industry um I've kind of acquired on my own.
1: yeah, I don't think that's cheesy at all. <laughs> usually the cheesy ones by the way are the are the best ones <laughs> everybody goes guess, everybody yeah. Yeah, almost everyone says ah, bad, I don't yeah. Want, yeah i'm not going to mention that one i'll mention i'll mention what you know hey what i think will resonate with people um, yeah like a piano concert at carnegie hall that would definitely resonate at six years old right that's like huge <laughs> i mean who can do that um who, who yeah. gets the chance to do that right uh but oh, i no, i like uh, yeah i really like that you've challenged yourself with this path, particularly in a male dominated, you're right. It's very much male dominated, right? I mean, yeah. It's, that, it's,
0: that's been an interesting thing to kind of overcome. Not that I have yet at all. I don't know that I ever fully will, but it's definitely made me stronger.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I, by the way, I applaud you. I think there ought to be more women in particularly in leadership. I, we need that because having been on the planet for 55 years and in a workforce for <laughs> 35, I can tell you that there are uh, women in my mind and my perspective in the work that I've done are way better at empath- empathizing with people, really seeing the others, and having you know not only compassion but also caring enough – to lead people forward that there I have, it's like 70, 30 in my book. So the more women, the better, as far as I'm concerned. Um,
0: well, thank you <laughs>
1: at the risk of sounding discriminatory against males. Uh, but I guess I can do that because I am one. So that makes it.
0: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, been, it's yeah. definitely been a challenge. It's made for some interesting interactions and conversations, but you know, every, every everything I take away from it is only only makes me better whether it was a positive or a negative experience it only helps me to learn and grow.
1: Well, I hope you, I hope you continue with that approach because it will serve you well.
0: Thank you. I hope so too.
1: (laughs) How about some habits that you have developed that you have now, now, now you can see that these habits serve you really well and that you're thankful for. Um, what, what um what do you think these habits are that your older self someone you know 10 20 years from now will be thankful that you that you started to develop now.
0: Hmm. With this one again two things come to mind. Uh first one very simple. Uh, sounds kind of funny, but I make my bed every morning. Not like super nice, but you know, all the covers are where they're supposed to be, the pillows are where they're supposed to be and no matter how messy or disheveled or disorganized the rest of my space might be just walking in and knowing this one this one thing is done and kind of looks nice just gives me a little bit of a peace of mind so I think when if hopefully I continue doing this moving forward um if I come home after a you know a stressful day I I can walk into my space that's supposed to be my comfort space and just see that just kind of take a deep breath and just okay, one thing is organized <laughs> in this messy world that I just walked in from or, or whatever it might be. Um, and the other thing I started doing actually in high school was lists. I'm a very list-centric person, whether that's a grocery list or a to-do list or or whatever it is. I've got a lot going on at the same time in my brain. Um and that's what I found really works for me. I keep a little sticky note on the uh, on my computer, just to the right of my trackpad, that everyone always kind of pokes fun at me for. And when I don't have it there, everyone's like, "Oh, what happened? Did you, you know, forget to make your list today?" Um, so hopefully, later on, as you know, things start to develop, my career hopefully starts to take off. Um, that's one thing I think I will find myself thanking myself for my lists. Yeah. My organization, I, I guess if you uh, want yeah. to
1: sum it up. Uh, organization, right. And you know, on that first one, the making the bed. So I I see that as um a sign of commitment it, given it's mainly to yourself, right? But Yeah. It's it's what you do it so this is like to me one of the beginning Clues to someone being a consummate professional. Because to me, the definition of being a professional has nothing to do with getting paid for doing work. Mm-hmm. It has to do with how you do the work and what, you know, even when you don't want to, and doing it uh, with such vigor that people notice that you show up time after time, day we, after day. Yeah,
0: I guess I've never really thought about it that way before.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, think about it. So if you if you know you have to have surgery, right? Well, you don't want to worry about whether that person's feeling up to it today, right? You just you just know that <laughs> yeah. the surgeon is going to be there and they're going to perform yeah. this surgery like it's the best one they've ever done, right? Yeah. That's what you want in a surgeon. That's what you want in a financial advisor. Well, that's what you want in anything right so when you're a professional not that you're a professional bedmaker but it's the ty- it's the habit that professionals have that this is what they do so um that's that's a really good
0: clue there yeah i heard it i was listening to a commencement speech that some i honestly don't remember his name anymore that high ranking person in the military, I believe, was giving to a, a graduating class at West Point. Um, and I think that was that was a, a topic that he had touched on and I found it really interesting. Um, so I started doing it a little while ago and still am I guess. So <laughs> whatever he said was, was right, it worked.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well it's good. I mean these are these are I mean being organized and being committed, you know, and doing what you say you're gonna do. I mean if you can keep doing that your whole life you you I mean, you will. I, hope so. I, mean, I mean, you, you well, got I'm half not. of it knocked out right there.
0: <laughs> I'm not perfect. It doesn't happen no every one's single morning, but I I try my best. Well, to,
1: you know who you're perfect for. You're perfect that. for you, and you're perfect for someone. But you just, I mean, perfection is defined by you know everyone differently. So you're not going to be perfect yeah. for everyone, but you're going to be perfect for you.
0: That's a good way to look at it. I like that.
1: So, how about someone at the University of Tampa that really? Inspired you, someone that is, you know, was somebody uh, a mentor or someone that influenced you in such a way that it probably
0: changed your life. Oh, I could go on about this for hours. (laughs) There was uh, a professor I had um, the semester before I started graduate school. Um, His name is Dr. Miller. He is a professor of finance. The Subject was I'm trying to remember what the actual name of the course was, because I guess at UT, we in conversation call it by the number of the course. So I believe it was institutions, money markets and something else it's basically a a course that tied in finance and economics and just the real world impact of it. Um, And so I wouldn't necessarily say it was the course itself but the professor. Um, even after I left the class, I would always turn to him as, as kind of the mentor. Because, Like I said, no one in my family or close family friends is in this industry. So he was the person I turned to, to ask advice for, to gain his opinion on, you know, if I should apply for this internship or this internship or whatever it might've been. I, at the end of the semester, when you write those Uh, Well, we have course evaluations that we write that are anonymous. I ran out of room to say incredible things about this professor. Um, It just still to this day, we we keep in touch. In graduate school, I was his um, graduate assistant. So we worked together for a year after I had him as a professor. Um, And it was just, I, I can't thank him enough for sitting with me, talking with me, talking me through Any of the doubts I had, which, you know, I don't think they ever go away, but there was something he said that still a year and a half later sticks with me that I, that I think to myself every time I see myself in like a pickle where I I don't think I've made it as far as I have, which I guess I'll say it in case it helps anyone um, is think of where you were a year and a half ago, which is when I had met him and think about where you are now. And how much more you know, how much you've changed, how many experiences you've had that have shaped you to become who you are. And just think about where you'll be a year and a half from now. And that little end bit of where you'll be a year and a half from now has really, really changed my perspective on decisions that I've made, on how hard I am on myself. Um, So I I cannot thank him enough for for that.
1: Yeah, that's really good. He made an impact for sure, right?
0: Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. Um,
1: yeah, we all ha- we all have people like that.
0: I hope I hope so. What what, I, do, you, what really, do you think really that hope. what's
1: the quality if if he's gone, right? If he doesn't teach anymore, if he's not there anymore. Mm-hmm. What's the what's the quality that gets missed? What's the thing that that you that just what, you know, why'd you trust him?
0: I think it's the the only word I can come up with to encompass it is Genuineness, I don't even know if that's a real word, but his genuineness in everything he was saying. It wasn't just, you know, oh, I'm, you know, paid to be here. I have to teach you. These are the tests we have to take. This is why we're doing this. It was a real sense of, okay, no, he cared about each and every one of his students and helping them advance in whatever possible way he could. You know, he has connections all over the country, if not all over the world. Um, Not even professionally but personally he was always always more than willing to bring people into class fly them down to the university to to talk to us um so i think it's the real genuineness if that's a word (laughs) and the tough love that he gave us a lot of professors in his position that i've also had these exact same professors who you know give us little cheat sheets or you know I don't want to say dumbed down, but don't necessarily challenge us to really, truly learn the material or learn the content. And as much as there were so many hours and hours and hours poured into studying for that class, um, I was never annoyed by it or angry by how much um, time and effort I was putting into it because I saw and I understood his reasonings for it and how much he really truly cared about what he was teaching and why he was teaching it um so i think that's the quality that i've unfortunately missed in a lot of other professors that didn't you know necessarily connect with me in that way um in in other regards the teaching was just kind of a to me it seemed a a thing that they showed up did and kind of left
1: right yeah Um, it's it was just a job to them right and yeah he didn't
0: mean for it to for it to come across that way. That's how yeah. it resonated with me. Yeah. So, well, that nothing,
1: means nothing it probably was, them, but <laughs> uh, it probably was. I had a lot of, I had a lot of professors like that and I think we all have, you know, they're everywhere. So when you, mm-hmm. when you run into someone, when you're fortunate enough, lucky enough to be with someone like Dr. Miller, to, to me, two things struck me when you told that story. One is he cared enough to see you and really understand you as a person. Yeah. And he also cared enough to not just mail it in because he knew that would actually be a disservice. While it would be an immediate service because you'd get through it easier and you'd get a better grade, maybe, and you'd get through it
0: yeah. you know, without,
1: <laughs> with, with less pain. He knew that when you got to the other side, that wasn't going to help you. So,
0: yeah.
1: those are the two things. And that's, that you were very lucky.
0: Um, I was. Very, and very, I very lucky realized to, that. In- <laughs> Everyone, he was always willing, whether they were a student or not, to you know chat with and, and sit down and give advice to. So anyone and everyone that ever I came across and that was in my <laughs> field at school, I I don't know if Miller appreciated it or not, but I <laughs> sent them his way.
1: <laughs> well,
0: but I, I want everyone to have someday write him
1: experience. a Someday, you know, ten years from now, um, when when you're you know really on it, um, write him a note. Um, yeah. That's that's that'll that'll be really special. Okay, so you've you've gone through school, you've done a lot. Anything you can recommend, share with other people that hey, if you could get your hand on this book, this podcast, this video, this something, what would it be?
0: Um, two things come to mind, a book and a video. Um, the Book uh, I read while I was in school. Um, I'm not sure how popular it is, but it's called Grit uh, by an author Angela Duckworth, I believe is her last name. Um, and it's about basically what it sounds like. It's about about grit, about different habits you can form, about changing your mindset to um, take on these challenges and give yourself little accomplishments. And you know, I used to think a lot about. Uh, think of accomplishments as, you know, the big picture thing and always neglected the little wins I had along the way. And, and this book really helped change my mindset on that and made overcoming challenges or um, certain failures that I've had while trying to get to A, where I'm at and where I want to be in the future. um, That book really helped with that. Um, And the video, um, (laughs) this really silly little video that I saw actually at a, a meeting at work one day, I believe it's called Kid President. Um, and it's a little motivational. It's maybe like three minutes long. It's this little kid. It's a couple years old. Uh, it's this little kid just basically motivating you. He's like, I could be kid president, and so can you. And it's just a really silly little motivating video that I watch every so often if I'm having a down day. Um, I think you can just search it on on YouTube. He has a couple of videos, but that one really struck a chord me
1: (laughs) i'll uh i'll see if we can throw in the the show notes yeah
0: yeah it's like a little seven-year-old who is like you can do it fine kid president like (laughs) yes seven-year-old tell me (laughs) inspire me
1: by the way grit is angela duckworth and okay and also there's an she does she actually narrates the audio version herself so that's probably really really worth um i'm gonna i'm gonna get it on your recommendation because i i listen to a lot of books because I mm-hmm. can make use of time that otherwise, you know, if I'm driving or, running right, or right. whatever, I can, I can listen to a book and I can mm-hmm. knock out a lot of books that way. Uh, but yeah, I'll pick that one up Deep. on your recommendation for sure.
0: Yeah. I really enjoyed it. She focused a lot about on the difference between talent and grit. And it was, I think the quote was, I always mix this up, but the quote was something along the lines of um, without Talent you can have grit, but without grit and you just have talent, you won't get anywhere. It was a lot better worded. No, I but I
1: I get the gist, yeah. Yeah. But that was the
0: gist of it. And I was like, wow, okay.
1: Yeah. It's Uh, basically like
0: very helpful to me. It's
1: like, you know, you you're you're pretty good at the piano, but if you don't if you don't put forth the hard work of being a professional at it and if you're going to like be in the performance business of the piano, then mm-hmm. just because you can play the piano pretty well doesn't—that's not going to get you. That's not going yeah. to get you anywhere.
0: Yeah. Okay. Might give you a leg up at the beginning, but right,
1: away. exactly, yeah, but not not day in day out. And when you start getting in with the real talented people, right, and <laughs> you go, okay, well, wow, I thought <laughs> right. I was good. I'm not very good.
0: Who have the talent? Right. and The grit.
1: Right.
0: And you're in dangerous territory.
1: Right. Sounds like a good book. So I'm going to read it. Um, okay we wrap up, we always wrap up on this question. Mm-hmm. So, and it's you know, when we, as we record this in 2020, June of 2020, there's a lot going on in the world and it's, it's not all That's good an stuff. Understatement. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty stressful. So if you could send in the world, an email right now, and you'd be guaranteed that they'd all open it and read it. Cause most people don't open all their email. So let's say they'd actually would open it. What would you say to people?
0: Oh, well, given what we're going through, that's a very loaded question. Um, I think something along the lines of, you know, keep on keeping on. If if we've learned anything from the last, you know, six months, and who knows what will happen in the next six months, um, we're stronger together. We can enact change, um, and we're all, you know, standing up for what we believe in, whether or not we agree with each other. But it's something that, you know, follow your Gut and your intuition, and do what you feel is right.
1: I like it. I think that would be it. Simple. Yeah. And there's a little bit of grit in there, I think.
0: Exactly. I mean, (laughs) who reads long emails, anyways? (laughs) (laughs) No one. (laughs) Exactly.
1: Yeah. That'd be one thing if I could teach everybody: do not send a long email. Uh, Oh goodness, no! Won't. yeah.
0: Half of us read it on our smartphones or exactly. our watches even yeah. at this point. right?
1: You, no. you, how can you even do it? Yeah. Well, this has been wonderful. Um, you, you've shared a lot of your story and I really, really appreciate it. I bet the world appreciates it and I hope it.
0: Thank you. I, it, I really appreciate I the platform to be able to do that. Oh yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I so much enjoy this Sophia and can't wait to f- see your progress, hear about it and follow you along. And we'll we'll put in the notes where people can find you through LinkedIn. I know you have a LinkedIn, and mm-hmm. um, we'll we'll make sure we get you connected with other people. But thanks again thank so much. It's been fabulous thank to you, have Michael. you. And I really wish you well, and I want you to stay healthy too. Uh, in thank the times really that we're in right yeah, now, you're well. yeah,
0: yeah. Likewise. <laughs> to you and your family and all your loved ones.
1: Yeah. Thank you.